Welcome to The Penny Drops, the Royal London podcast series simplifying finance to help more people, like you, make better informed money decisions. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, a journalist, broadcaster and the host of The Penny Drops, where I speak to some of the best financial experts out there. Now, this podcast was recorded during the coronavirus outbreak, so please excuse any sound issues as we're all recording remotely. And for the latest information on financial support and benefits, visit gov.uk forward slash coronavirus. Now, on this episode of The Penny Drops, we're discussing all things responsible investment, what that is, why it's important, and how it can help us to tackle big global issues like climate change. Today, I'm joined by Ashley Hamilton-Claxton, Head of Responsible Investment for Royal London Asset Management. Ashley, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be chatting to you today. I'm really interested in this topic myself. But let's start off with that phrase first off, responsible investment. What is it? Yeah, so um, it's it's basically a term to describe um, investing our customers' money in a responsible way. So, what does that actually mean? So, we really are focused on, um, you know, when you own a pension, obviously, or an insurance product, that money isn't static. It's not just sitting in a bank account. It's being invested in the markets for you. And as a responsible investor, we want to make sure that when we're investing our money, we are very conscious about the companies that we're owning, where we're owning companies. We want to make sure that they are doing the right things, whether they are paying their executives appropriately, mm. whether they have good governance. We want to make sure that they're respecting human rights, that they're being um, you know, respectful of the environment, they're addressing climate change to the extent that they are able. So it's really, responsible investment is really about being a good steward of our clients' money and making sure that that money is um, doing responsible things as well as paying out their pensions at the end of the day. Yeah. If you're listening right now, you may have heard us talk in the past or you may have heard the phrase ethical investing or sustainable investing. How is this different or similar to responsible investing? It is a bit different. So I think of responsible investing as sort of the umbrella term. Um, And I would say that sustainable and ethical investing maybe sit underneath that. So if we take ethical for um, first example, um, ethical investing, again, has been around a very, very long time. It kind of actually dates back um, to, um, you know, a lot of the movement started around apartheid South Africa, possibly Mm -hmm. even really before that. And that was really people... Um, taking their own personal ethics and trying to apply that into their investment world. So saying things like, um, my ethical values mean that I don't want to own tobacco companies or I don't Mm -hmm. want to own um, companies associated with apartheid South Africa. So ethical investing is kind of a sub, what I'd say a subset of response investing. We know that not all of our customers have that view, but some customers do feel really passionate about things that they um, don't want to be invested in. And so we have ethical investment funds or ethical products where they can um, invest in a way where um, they are not, um, you know, owning companies that are against their own values. And that's different again to sustainable investing, which again, I would argue is a subset of what we would call responsible. And again, sustainable is similar, but with a more positive tilt. So sustainable is saying we want to invest in companies that are um, building a healthier, more inclusive um, you know, society for the future. So it's more of a positive tilt um, towards companies that are have more sustainable products, uh, more sustainable business models. Um, and it's a bit more of a targeted approach to people who want to kind of invest in sort of, I guess, companies that are being part of the solution. 
competition as opposed to avoiding companies that might be doing what people might think to be quote unquote bad things. Yeah. And when we say bad things, and like you've already touched on, we all have our different morals. The tobacco one is a great example. If you're a smoker, maybe that's not such a big issue for you that your money's invested there if you're very much against it, or maybe you don't drink there. We all have our own sort of values to bring into that. So I think that's a really important point to point out. But can you talk us through some of the different approaches when it comes to investing responsibly? What, what are some of these and, and what are Royal London's? Yeah. So we invest really broadly in the market and we invest for a lot of different pension savers um, and, uh, you know, insurance clients. And so um, we take a a variety of different approaches. I think the key thing for us is really focusing on being good stewards of our assets. So um, we take a number of steps around this. We have recently changed all of our passive equity funds, for example, to become uh, what we call tilted funds. So we have moved all of those funds to be lower carbon. So between 10 and 30% lower carbon impact than a typical fund. We're also making sure that we're, again, being good stewards. So we are voting at company annual meetings. So as a shareholder, you get to vote every year at an annual meeting of the companies where you're investing. And so we are very active in that um, approach. And so we will be voting on things like executive pay at some of the big UK companies. We'll be voting on director elections, on the elections of the auditors, and we'll be discussing the issues with companies, making sure that they're doing the right thing. Um, Other work that we do is really focused on um, engagement. So where we might be invested in a company that might have an issue or a concern, maybe um, high executive pay, or maybe we don't think their climate change targets are very robust, we will actually reach out to that company, um, try to uh, speak to them about our concerns, try to get them to move their business model forward to address some of the sort of responsible investment issues that we might be concerned about that we think our clients and our customers might be concerned about, but also um, that we think could impact the business model, either from a long-term perspective, reputationally, or potentially financially. And then I guess the final piece of the puzzle that we're that we do is really integrating views on the environment and human rights and social and climate change and governance into the investment process. So part of what I do with my team is work really closely with our fund managers to get them information on um, what's the governance of this company look like? Are there any risks here? How is this company preparing for the climate transition? Is the company part of the solution to climate change? Um, Maybe how is the company addressing issues around return to the office around COVID? Mm-hmm. So these sorts of issues where we're trying to get the best information to the fund managers so they can be starting to integrate that into how they're making those investment decisions. So it's a collection of things. We've got basically changing the product set underneath um, much of our pension customers' pensions, um, trying to reduce the kind of carbon impact that they're having. Um, being good stewards in voting, engagement companies, and then integrating all of that information back into the investment process. And you mentioned that word engagement and engaging with the companies that you invest in. Can you give us a specific example of this engagement and how it's made an impact? Yeah. So one really good example that we're quite excited about is um, 
a company called SSE or Scottish and Southern Energy. And some people might know that name because they might be your energy provider in your home. Um, we uh, reached out to SSE probably about 18 months ago um, to talk to them about what they were doing as a, as a business, as an energy company to prepare for the climate transition, the transition to a lower carbon economy. And specifically what we wanted to know was how are they thinking about the social aspect of that? So this is what we call the just transition. How are they thinking about the jobs of the future that are needed if we're transitioning their business model, their customers? So if there's vulnerable customers, elderly customers, um, how are they thinking about how they transition their customers and support their customers? And finally, um, you know, how are they thinking about um, their employees and um and their suppliers. So we, we call this basically engagement on the just transition. And we reached out to SSE and we said to them, we would really like you to make a statement about your just transition plan. How are you planning to make all of these changes to your business, but in a just mm. and responsible way? And we're absolutely delighted that they were really responsive and they were the first company globally to publish a just transition plan. Oh. Um, and we were quite excited about that. We got, we were involved in helping them sort of write, write the plan and review it. And since then we've been talking to many other utility companies, energy companies about publishing very similar plans. And we've got, um, number of companies who are also either have published their plan or are about to ahead of COP26. Now, climate change is at the top of a big list of global problems, but what do pensions and investments have to do with the climate change issue? Yeah, so as a pension saver, we're broadly invested in in many, many companies. And some of those companies um, are absolutely doing all the right things in terms of trying to move their business model to a lower carbon economy. Mm -hmm. And some of them just simply need a bit more help to do that. So um, we, you know, obviously having broad investments, we do invest in oil and gas companies. Um, and we, because many of us are using oil and gas every day. So I think what we're trying to say is, um, as a pension saver, working with Roland and trying to really understand which companies are positioning themselves for the future mm -hmm. um, and, and trying to work with those companies on that transition. We are not saying that these companies are going to change their business models overnight. It's trying to like, you know, m change the direction of a super tanker, isn't it, in terms <laughs> of trying to get these companies to change. Mm -hmm. So really uh, the role of a pension saver is that you do have a little bit of influence. Um, we can go out, we can speak to companies about the work that they're doing around climate change and we can start to create coalitions. So we can start to get companies themselves to be saying to government, Hey, guess what? It actually would be really useful for us if we had a carbon price because it would give us some certainty. We could do better business planning. So it's trying to kind of use your power as either a bondholder or a shareholder in that company to then try to affect greater change around us. I suppose you've just touched on this, but when people try and think of reducing their own environmental impact, they tend to look at things like energy providers, which we've touched on, plastic consumption, diet, lifestyle. But how big a role do pensions and investments have to play in tackling climate change? I think they can absolutely play a role. Um, it's definitely not front of mind for people um, when they're mm. thinking about, like you said, their, their personal impact on the world. So I think the first thing for me is just to get people aware that they 
A, have a pension <laughs> and B, that that pension is invested for them. Like I said earlier, yeah. it's you know, an active um, sort of pot of money that isn't just sitting in a bank account. It's, it's actively out there in the world. And so choosing the right provider is really key because choosing the right provider that's going to be acting on your behalf to be responsible, to be thinking about climate change and to be trying to pressure the companies that we're investing in to address climate change and other issues. Um, I think picking the right provider is, is really key. Yeah, yeah. And we hear a lot about this phrase net zero, don't we? And roadmaps to get there. So what exactly is net zero and how would that apply to our investments such as pensions? Yeah, so net zero is is a concept that's come out of the sort of Paris Agreement, and I like to think we have to have a systems thinking. But if you think about a, a balloon, mm-hmm. and if the world is sort of inside this balloon, and we've got the carbon cycle, you can keep inputting more and more carbon into that balloon, but it's a closed circuit. So what we what net zero is is essentially saying every time we put some carbon in, we need to take some carbon out. So that net net, we are not putting more carbon into the atmosphere because as we know as we're, as we as humans putting more and more carbon into the atmosphere that's creating lots of lots of sort of um, challenges in terms of earth systems biodiversity systems and the climate system and so for us net zero is really about making sure you get that balance right that you're basically taking emissions down essentially to zero so you're not putting any more carbon into the atmosphere than you're taking out Um, And from an investment perspective, it's actually a really tricky concept to think about from an investment perspective because we are only investors in companies. Hmm. We can't necessarily be net zero. We have to rely on the companies that we're financing to be net zero. And so a lot of people like to talk about net zero um, within an investment context. It is absolutely relevant for us. It's something we're looking at. Um, But to be fair, no one's cracked it yet. It's a really tricky concept. And what we really need to do is work with our clients, customers, and the companies we're investing in to try to get those companies to bring their emissions down. Because if they bring their emissions down and they meet the net zero targets, then we as investors can meet the net zero target. Yeah, exactly. And, and, And talking about engagement, as we've already touched on, Um, Lots of people may have a sort of approach um, that is not necessarily the same as Royal London's with engagement, maybe excluding. So why is it important for Royal London to engage with those companies when it comes to tackling climate change, particularly the ones that have a big part to play in global emissions? Yeah, I think you. it's very easy to jump to the conclusion, I just don't want to own those big, dirty companies, right? Mm. But if we go back to the balloon example... um, if I have so BP or Shell, you know, emitting carbon um, to power our petrol cars, yeah. um, because I no longer finance BP or Shell, doesn't mean that BP and Shell don't exist. <laughs> They're still there emitting carbon, right? Yeah. So excluding them from a portfolio doesn't actually bring carbon emissions down within the balloon within our bubble of of planet Earth. And so I think the key thing for us is exclusions can play a role. So when I say exclusion, I mean we would, um, you know, sell the company and not invest in the company or not invest in the sector. It absolutely can play a role. And we know that is important for some of our customers. But I think from our perspective, it's much too simplistic. What we would prefer to do is start to, like we said, engage with those companies. So I'll give another example. Some of the big mining companies in uh, the world, they are big, heavy carbon emitters, big mm-hmm. industrial companies. They dig stuff out of the ground. They have lots of big 
lorries and trucks moving goods around. Um, many of those mining companies are high carbon emitters, but they are mining out some of the metals of the future, mm. um, copper and some of the metals that we're going to need for electrification Phones, and for the transition. Cars, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so for us to say, well, that's a big carbon emitter, we're just going to not invest in that company is actually not really tackling the problem. So trying to kind of be a little bit more sophisticated in how we think about it and understand, okay, we're going to own these high emitting companies. They are in our portfolios. They're a big part of the UK market. Um, what can we do to work with those companies to really make that transition happen? And that's, I think, what the roll in and approach is about, is really actually trying to get into the detail of it um, rather than sort of wash our hands or you know, sell mm. the problem off to someone else. But the reality is if you sell that carbon molecule to someone else, it still exists in the bubble. Yeah. It's not gone anywhere. Yeah. It's almost like you, you're engaging with these companies. They may not get greener, but they're not going to get greener if you exclude them as well. Is that sort of a way of explaining exactly. it? Exactly. I mean, it's trying to, it's, I guess it's about being, trying to be part of the solution, mm. I suppose, and trying to, get, you know, get your hands dirty and muck in and try and um, be part of the solution. Yeah. And let's get back to just transition then with the climate change agenda so important, as we've discussed. Tell us a bit about a bit more about just transition and how this helps people and communities to move to a low carbon economy. Yeah, so I'm quite passionate about this. And when we set out on kind of um, agreeing some of the things that we were going to work on as a team a couple of years ago, and climate was clearly at the top of that list, mm. I was really um, clear that I wanted to make sure that we were doing something a little bit more different. Um, now, I grew up actually in Alberta, which is in Canada. Canada is a very uh, resource-intensive country. I mm -hmm. grew up kind of, uh, you know, in the oil sands sort of area of Canada. And I know for a fact that, in my opinion, climate change is a socioeconomic problem. It is not an environmental problem, right? So, okay. we, so the way I think about climate change, having been a sociologist by training, um, is it is a, if we need to think about it as a socioeconomic problem, because I think then we actually get to the real heart of the issue. Yeah. So the way you don't solve climate change in Alberta and in Canada is to make thousands and thousands of people in the oil sand sector redundant, mm -hmm. right? You need to transition those people into different jobs for mm. a different future. And so the just transition is all about that. How do we get our current sort of economic carbon-based model to transition to wean ourselves off carbon? And we cannot do that if we don't address jobs. We cannot do that if we don't address things like vulnerable customers or heating costs. How do we think about a systems approach to this, not just an environmental challenge? And I think if we shift our thinking around that, then I think we'll make much more progress because if we don't tackle those issues, you will create resistance. Yeah. Completely, completely. I've spoken to someone from New Light Technologies who make this product called Air Carbon, which is mm. uh, a replacement for plastic that's made uh, from a polymer from um, a, a little kind of organism in the ocean. And they actually bought an old plastic factory mm. and ha hired some of the staff that were already working there to now work on, on their plastic. Amazing. So, yeah, it's right. just another example that I can exactly. think of there of how so it just transition works in the real world. And transitioning, yeah, transitioning those jobs and, mm. and probably transitioning that carbon molecule into something, mm -hmm. uh, you know, useful for the future in low carbon transition. So that's exactly what, what the just transition is all about. Yeah. And sticking with social issues then, um, how are social issues something that Royal London also considers when investing responsibility? So social issues is in really an interesting one because it's, you know, really in the last 18 to 18 months during COVID and two years, 
Um, climate change in the past has got a lot of airtime. It will continue to get a lot of airtime, but you're starting to see people talk more about social issues. I think mm-hmm. COVID and the pandemic has accelerated this a little bit. So all of a sudden, you know, we see the importance of our lorry drivers, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <Key laughs> to make yeah. society happen, the importance of our healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Now that we're all transitioning back into the workplace, into the office, we're thinking about actually what's my health and well-being and am I safe? Am I, um, you know, am I safe to go into the office and what mm-hmm. protections is my employer giving me? Um, so social issues have always been a really big part of response investing. I've been in the industry for 15 years. And when I kind of started in my career, I guess we were really looking at human rights issues. Um, I mm-hmm. looked at human rights, particularly in mining when I started, but also if you go back to the early 1990s, there was the big scandal with Nike or Nike, as you say yes. in the UK with sweatshops and child labor. So mm. social issues have always been a really important part of response investing and trying to tackle social issues. I think um, those issues have not gone away. You know, we still have uh, child labor in supply chains. We still have child labor in sort of mining in a lot of developing countries. Um, but I guess uh, it's sort of evolving over time. Um, so I think uh, the, the social issues that we're working on at the moment would be um, things like... Um, diversity mm-hmm. in the workplace and diversity on boards. Um, we're also looking at social and financial inclusion, which probably mm-hmm. is close to the heart of this, of this podcast. Um, particularly, um, you know, what are, what's the banking sector going to do to support small and medium enterprises mm-hmm. um, as they recover from COVID? So trying to engage with the banks around that um, and, and other issues like, you know, supply chain issues and, and other ones we've mentioned. So um, probably talked about less because climate change is dominating, particularly the leading up to COP, but yes. um, equally important but very hard to measure. (laughs) And that's a whole topic for another podcast, maybe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So, for example, would you say that those of us who might have a pension with Royal London, that we're helping to make a positive impact and build a better future for them and for the planet just by saving into their pension? So I think it's really about... um, the pension provider you choose and and what are the steps that they're taking to try to make a difference. So um, again, it's about the collective rather than any individual action that Royal London can take to do this. But really um, when you're investing with, uh, with Royal London into the pension um, you're investing with a business that are really trying to make a difference, trying to engage the companies that we own, um, trying to have a positive impact. So that example of SSE trying to get SSE to be the first company to publish a just transition statement mm-hmm. and then the actions that cascade that across other utility companies that follow suit. So um, I think you you can make a difference. It is really about picking picking your provider um, and also knowing, you know, knowing where your money is invested and and making an active choice to kind of make yourself aware of what your pension is doing. I think having a an provider that you that you can trust that you think is acting on your behalf i mean we we've done customer research definitely that shows um you know the majority of our customers um vast majority of customers really just trust us to do the right thing mm. and that's great because actually that is exactly what we're here for um trusting us to do the right thing and we are just out there trying to hold the companies uh in your portfolio accountable hmm yeah, no one's going to be doing that themselves, are they? No, it's difficult to do as an <laughs> individual. Difficult. So, real, real, you know, working with a, a provider that is um, we're doing that on your behalf, I think, is where most of our uh, pension savers are, are happy to be. Is it possible to get a good investment return while making a positive contribution to society and the environment as well? 
So our approach to this is very simple. Companies that run their business well, um, that respect the environment, that respect human rights and are well-governed, we believe are just simply better businesses mm. and better businesses we believe are going to you know, perform better over the long term. So it's a very simple philosophy. Um, and I think if you take a really long-term approach to investing and you're really clear about what your um, principles and practices are, I think that has stood us in good stead over time. Of course, there's mm-hmm. ups and downs. And of course, different fund managers perform differently in different cycles. Your money can go up, your money can go down. But the basic philosophy of us is good companies make good investments. Mm. And we've touched on COP26 a few times already. So this UN uh, United Nations Climate Change Conference coming up in Glasgow next month. We're going to have a whole special episode on that in next month's episode. But Ashley, can you just talk us through why COP26 is so important? I think I've referred to it as the Glastonbury of the environmental calendar rather (laughs) flippantly. Um, But why is it so important? Yeah, I love that. Um, if it was such a was dire, really and, <laughs> yeah, dire and serious um, yeah. topic. But yeah, um, so COP26, really important. It was delayed from last year. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's been a little bit of murmuring in the press as to whether they'll delay it again. It looks like they probably won't. Um, it was delayed due to COVID. Um, it's really key because it's the next round of climate negotiations amongst countries. So again, we've been talking a lot in this podcast about companies. Um, We invest mostly in companies. We do invest a little bit in countries, for example, in their debt. However, the key to um, the climate crisis is getting countries to agree basic policies and practices. I think the key thing coming out of COP26 will hopefully be a consistent carbon price Mm. Um, and that, that, what that does for us as investors and the companies we invest in is give us some certainty that we can plan around that companies can plan around. So I think it's really important. Um, everyone's putting a lot of, um, you know, really looking to governments to take a stand. I think in the last couple of years, people have really realized the actual impact climate change is already having on the planet. So again, mm-hmm. being Canadian, um, you know, I, when I grew up, we never had forest fires. I mean, rarely mm-hmm. did we ever have a summer of forest fires. And my family back home this summer and the last of five years, every summer is just unbelievable smoke and fire. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's really kind of, I think when people realize that these things are actually changing, they're actually affecting our lives and yeah. they will affect us in retirement, um, I think people are starting to realize it's, you know, it's time for governments to act. So we're really, really hoping COP26, we get some action out of governments to help give us as investors and companies a lot more certainty. Yeah, yeah. Climate change is definitely happening now, isn't it? Um, now, Ashley, we're nearly at the end of the episode. So I just want to ask you if you had top three things you would like people to remember from this podcast all about responsible investing, what would they be? Yeah, so I think the thing is um, maybe the analogy to the to the balloon or the bubble is you know you can't sell yourself out of the carbon problem. <laughs> We're all in the bubble, mm-hmm. and the carbon is circulating. We need to find a way, uh, you know, to collectively bring the carbon down. We just can't just sell the molecule to someone else because it's still in the bubble. So I think that's the really really key thing. I think. Um, that action that we that uh, we take in terms of engagement, trying to really work with companies and not trying to be really simplistic about how we solve these problems. And I guess the final thing I would say is that climate change is a socioeconomic problem at the end of the day. It's for us to fix. 
Um, and we need to be really mindful about how we go at, go about the climate transition. Yeah. Excellent. Three great top takeaways there as well. Um, but actually, we always like to end on this note. Um, we've just met today, but I want to meet 18-year-old you and ask what bit of advice uh, would you have given yourself if you could talk to your 18-year-old self now? Uh, yeah, I was having a think about this. Um, and I, I would say it's advice I probably should give myself today, but it, <laughs> it's really don't sweat the small stuff. So Ooh. I think when you work in industries like this and you're really passionate about environmental and social issues, um, you know, you can be very, very passionate and you can get really frustrated if you're not mm -hmm. making progress quickly. Um, I think my advice to my 18-year-old self would be, look, don't sweat the small stuff, think of the bigger picture. And I think it's good advice for me today as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, that goes, that's definitely one you can apply to lots of things. Um, love that yes. one. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, Ashley Hamilton-Claxton, Head of Responsible Investment for Royal London Asset Management. Thank you so much for joining me on The Penny Drops. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Penny Drops. We hope you learned something new and useful to help you with your finances. We'd love to hear what you think of the series, so please do leave us a review. Or if you have any comments or money questions you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch at thepennydrops at royallondon.com. This podcast series is brought to you by Royal London, the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Royal London.